Welcome back, everyone. We are live. This is another week of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. Uh, we have a special guest this week who we'll get to last, but first, I'm going to introduce the usual suspects, starting with Kyle Breeder. How's it going? Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad everybody's here. Um, yeah, my name's Kyle Breeder. I specialized in feminized seeds. If anybody's interested in those kind of things, um, you, I have a website. That's the letter P, breeding.com. And um, yeah, you can find me on any social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, yeah, pretty happy to be here. I'm glad everyone's, we're also doing this. And uh, thanks for hosting again, Jack. Happy to have you back and thankful as uh, I have a family member who's getting into cultivating their own cannabis and you were generous enough to reach out and uh, send some seeds their way. They're very excited for that. They've just got the uh, final things. They're using Brandon's soil recipe that he just posted on YouTube. So I'm going to pass it over next to Brandon Rust. Welcome. What's going on? If you don't already know, I am Brandon Rust, rust.brandon on IG. You can find the body of my work there. You can find my farm, Black Label Organics, and you can find my biofertilizer company, Bokashi Earthworks, all in my bio there. Links to websites and all that good stuff. Always great to be here with all the panel members. I wouldn't be where I am at without all of you. So thank you guys. I feel the exact same way, to be perfectly honest, and I'm thankful for everybody who shows up each week, uh, both the panel and the chat. Next up, we got Spartan Grown. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. Uh, I'm a uh, grower here in Michigan. I've got, at home, I do organic cultivation, and at work, we do commercial cultivation, and we use synthetics. So I have my foot in kind of both fields. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Spartan Grown, all one word, or you can shoot me an email, spartangrown at gmail.com. Great stuff. I always love that you dropped the uh, Gmail there for the people that don't have the social medias. You can catch me at jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com if you're looking to contact me and you don't have a social media like we were just talking about. I think we went to Kyle first and Brandon, Spartan. How about next we go over to Aaron the Grower? What's up, Jack? Panel, chat, uh, good to be back. Um, excited to be here. And uh, yeah, let's get right to it. Well, next up, we have a staff writer at Skunk Magazine and uh, always amazing IPM specialist here with us, Matthew Gates. I appreciate the uh, introduction, Jack. So this is Matthew Gates, the IPM specialist. And uh, today I was working on my Viral Diseases of Hemp, Cannabis Sativa, a chapter that will be in a book being published by Elsevier, which is called Viral Diseases of Field and Horticultural Crops, and that should be publishing next year sometime. I'm very excited to be writing about all manner of cannabis pests and diseases. So um, if you're interested in that, you can find more of that information on my YouTube channel for free at Zenthanol. Um, you can see that on my, uh, on my picture. Great stuff as always. Thank you again for joining us. And finally, we have a special guest this evening on Instagram. They're known as relaxed underscore atmosphere underscore DS, but we'll be referring to them as seven. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the cheap home grow listeners out there? Well, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Um, my name is David Salzberg. I go by seven. Um, my IG handle is relaxed atmosphere. And that's kind of what my seed company is. Um, I do seeds. I don't call myself a breeder. I'm still young in the game, but I really enjoy genetics and working with uh, the different processes that I can and that I have at the moment. Um, I'm also in packaging. So we do a hermetically sealed canned 
cannabis where, you know, you uh, we package it today and you open it in three years, you're probably going to have the same cannabis that was put in there that day. It's a, it's a pretty awesome system that we're trying to get uh, in place throughout the cannabis industry as well as the hemp industry right now. And at the same time, I just launched a pet CBD brand called Pristine Pet CBD or Pristine Pet Nutrition and Wellness. And uh, we're just pushing forward with that, start our marketing and get everything going and just kind of get everybody uh, understanding the, the good properties of CBD uh, as well as cannabis and cheese. Well, we're very happy to have you with us this evening. Uh, you sent me a little bit of a bio before the show, and I would be remiss if I didn't say, first of all, uh, thank you and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there for all that they do. But uh, I wanted to also say thank you because you are a veteran, a U.S. combat veteran. You uh, served from 2000 to 2008, and um, you have a little bit of a, you know, a great reason to be using cannabis. And I think a lot of people would uh, stand by and respect the fact that now you're growing your own. I could see some plants behind you in the background. I got a little bit of an eye on the tent over there. I got some live plants. And like I was just mentioning, my brother is just starting to grow his own. It was cool to see he just got his tent set up. Uh, I've got mine over here. So growing your own is definitely uh, very medically therapeutic. And I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, maybe your experiences uh, as an Army, or I think it was Army. I mean, maybe it could be misremembering. Yeah. But uh, your experience as a veteran and um, just now growing your own and how that might be helping you out. Sure. So um, experience as a veteran hasn't been kind of as bad as a lot of people's experiences has been when it comes to like the VA and people and such. I've had a great experience. They've taken care of me very well. Um, they do have me in the system as cannabis user or I forget how they put it in there. It's really interesting because it's not just cannabis user. It's just like a It'll come to me and I'll tell you, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. But I started growing in 2009 was the first time I grew plants. And it was because of all the pain meds that the VA and the military had me on since 2002. I was in a motorcycle accident leaving work. Um, and then in 2008, I was in another motorcycle accident. So they just had me pump full of Vicodin for quite a few years and, uh, you know, it was ruining relationships, ruining friendships, ruining, you know, just everything going on in life. So um, I kind of went back to, you know, I had more information on cannabis. So I went back, started growing. Uh, on my like my third grow, I decided to make seeds. Thought that was hella fun. I used the skunk one male and uh, hit that to like nine ice plants. I don't even know who made those genetics. I know I got them from Europe somewhere. They were just called ice. I probably had five, 6,000 seeds. Um, and when I left that house, my buddy took them out the freezer and threw them away, thought I didn't want them. So I missed out on growing those and finding some amazing things. Um, it became a passion really more on the breeding side or the, the creating side in 2018. Um, I've been growing in a high brick soil uh, for quite some time. And I had an error in 2018 where I had a male come in that I wasn't expecting. Uh, I chopped him down and let him just hold one stalk. And I was like, okay, I'll do a little bit of pollination and we'll see what happens. Uh, but when I pulled that plant out, I snapped the rubber band that was a trainer and it just blew out the whole room. So ended up getting a whole bunch of crosses that I didn't want. But over the years, I've sent those out to a lot of people um, and they've been truly amazed with the genetics that came out of those, um, the growth and all that stuff that just really wasn't planned. I enjoy giving away seeds that we really don't sell them. I like, you know, send me shipping and I'll send you 20 seeds. Uh, I got probably 16 different packs of different things that I like to give out to people. 
And I think as a veteran these days, you know, cannabis is something that truly helps all of us. And there's still a few people that aren't and don't quite get it, but I try to give education when I'm at the VA. I try to talk to people, kind of let them know what things are about. And uh, sorry, I'm sweating here. I'm in the grow room, so it's a little warm. It's all good. Hey, the ladies like it nice and warm, and you're you're exhaling some CO2 in there, so they're going to be loving it. Uh, it is Mother's Day, so I'm curious. Um, do you have any clones or any mother plants that maybe you said you have about 16 varieties that you had crosses? I mean, it's up? like I found but, uh, another set of my own. I shoot you this way. This is my rack. Your audio is oh, cutting out a little bit. we can't hear you because your uh, your hands on the microphone. I think. Sorry about that. I got clones okay. on the bottom, and then up top I got all the uh, the juveniles rocking up here. Have you found any particular strain that you've made or come across to be beneficial to you as a veteran, or just in general for veterans? I'm also interested in the, I'm also interested in the ice plants you mentioned earlier. I don't. I've not, I haven't heard that before. I think. You know, I couldn't give you much information on the ice. It's been so long, and I haven't had the genetic sense. Um, all I know is that was, you know, it could have been just the name that, that uh, Siemens gave to that plant. I believe it was Siemens that I ordered it from back then. Uh, and would you ask me, Jack? I was just uh, wondering if you had any strains that you found particularly beneficial to you, like maybe you're keeping as a clone or maybe not, just being a veteran and, uh, you know, like anything that yeah. you have wanted to keep around or maybe lost that you would like to have back. That maybe I definitely have one I lost. That's uh, that was my Primo Black mother. Um, Primo Black was one of my accidental crosses that turned out to be something really nice. So the mother was peyote purple, and the father was Seattle Sour Kush crossed to Primo Verde from uh, Frost City Genetics and Mr. Split. Uh, there's a lot of diesel and uh, original Kush in there, all that all that good stuff that everybody really likes. So you see a lot of the diesel come out when it grows, but the peyote purple was what I was looking for. I wanted that kind of bubble cush, that that pain relief from that. And I found that in one, but I was unable to keep that from, from where I was at. So funny little story, I've graduated. And then, so I've started at my grow here. I've gone down and I've gone up. So my down was where I had to build a grow room in a 25 foot travel trailer that I was living in and traveling across the States. And I had that set up uh, where I took out the bunks and I built the entire room in there had air in, air out, had digital AC, everything rolling, um, but I couldn't keep anything. I didn't have room for clones. There was always seeds in and seeds out or just one cut coming back in. But I ended up losing that, and I plan on searching that for again in 22, but I'm kind of locked up with the genetics that I have now, um, and I, you know, I'm waiting for uh, some things to happen. So Nobody really knows this, but it's about to come out anyway. So if you look at what GG Strains is doing, they're moving to GG Genetics. And uh, they brought on Grayskull, who was the breeder that gifted Josie the uh, Sour Dub and the uh, Hemsys to come up with GG4. And uh, so since Josie passed, we, you know, Cat really wanted to push everything over and make sure that we could keep the legacy going keep everything kind of moving in with what Josie wanted. So he's got a list of different genetics he want to cross with what he has. So we're moving in that. Um, obviously, it takes time. We know how it works. You know, you cross something, you need to test it, you need to stabilize it, you need to make sure it's good. So we got time before that happens. And that's what I'm holding here is mostly the GG genetics. Um, 
we'll see what happens next year. Behind me is my GMO. It was given to me by Josie. It's the original Funkmaster Flex cut. So she's fire. She tested 29%. She's my nighttime two hits, go to sleep type. I mean, she's amazing. She's my favorite. And How long so do you flower her for? Because I know a lot of people take it like 77 or like 82 days or crazy long. They can. Time. I think the furthest I've ever taken her was 13 weeks, just at 13 weeks. And that was on a seed run, um, trying to get you know the seeds completed uh, as well as get the flower right. I wasn't expecting a lot of flowers, expecting more seeds. So I kind of just let her go until I could get as much as I could. She's being reversed right now. So I've been hitting her with Clodio Silver at 36 ppm twice a day. Uh, she's starting to push out. Sacks are starting to come. And then that's going to pollinate uh, the original Blue GG4 I have in there. Some more GMOs, um, Blue Mints. Oh, look at that. Backseat. Have you ever What's tried? Uh... Oh, I just found a backseat in this uh, GMO Jet Fuel Gelato. Can I call dibs on it? Yeah, you, you can have it, bro. I got you. <laughs> Brandon has uh, up, be there worked with Josie in the past. Yeah, I'll put it in a little thing for you. There you go. Yeet. History right here. Love you, buddy. Imagine that becomes like the next uh, hot fucking cut out here in California. That'd be dope, right? Check, check out what a little birdie sent me. I got some ATG acres fucking concentrate, man. Oh, that's Ooh, nice. boy. That's some nice... A Fuck nice little yes, messenger pigeon bro. came through with that one. That's the, exciting. This is the Duranimals 119 through 73. Yeah. Cured, that's fire. Out. I've already right. fucking dug into it, but I mean, this stuff's so fucking stable. I wish I could. Dude, I'm it. so glad you got that. Oh my gosh. That's that just, my heart is literally melting right now. Yeah. I can't even say. Shout out to C. That C-Dub. looks pretty nice. Even though I was waiting to see him, Chad, but I haven't seen him yet, but he'll watch us back. Shout out to C Dub, man. He hooked me up. Oh, C Dub is the man, bro. And yeah. high noon, the guy who makes that hash is the absolute master, bro. Like one of the best in the game. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, speaking of Gray School, Gray School's out here. I know Gray yeah. School. He lives uh he lives about 50 minutes away from my farm. And uh, I was talking to him earlier this year about doing some stuff, but he's he's so lazy, he doesn't want to do anything. Uh so but yeah, I, I know I hit him up a few times on IG and didn't get a response. I can only get him on signal was, every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So uh he's not on I he's not on IG. You just gotta text him. Or call he's old him. school. Yeah, just call him or text him. It was hey, seven, uh, if you don't mind me asking um selfishly, what what did you do in the army? So <laughs> nothing super cool when it comes to actual job. Uh so when I joined, I joined as a 77 Fox, who's actually just a petroleum supply specialist or a gas station attendant. But uh, <laughs> I like I, I laugh because they, they conned me into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't been in school. I know what for you're like, saying. Yeah, they've had me in school for 10 years. They had me take this test. And they're like, well, this is all you're qualified for. And I was like, that's trash. I'm qualified for way more than that. Um, so I took that job and I basically did every other job I was training NCO. I worked for the first Army commander. I worked in the arms room, the MBC room. I kind of didn't like mm-hmm. the job that I chose. So I kind of tried to move around with other positions within the units. Need to the army, deploy. as they say. Say that again? I said, needs the army, as they say, right? Back. I had, uh, I had, um, I was taught by a Sergeant Major who, Sergeant Major Hines, Command Sergeant Major Hines, who okay. he told he told me a story of he was in the, he was doing uh, tanks, he was a tank commander or not tank commander, but he was he worked with the tanks, I should say, um, okay. and he 
he got in trouble because he just didn't want to be promoted up to a certain point because of course uh once you once you get higher and higher um uh, you, know, you have more and more responsibilities right and and That's he doesn't yeah. he has to be moved up and go to different schools and that sort of a thing and you know for him it was a thing that he wasn't really interested in um, he really liked the the camaraderie of the groups that he had already associated with so yeah um no i completely understand I mean, you said command sergeant major, so he must have got that promotion because that's about as far as uh, yes. in the non-commissioned <laughs> yeah, officer for so. He is a great, he's a great guy. I, uh, I really enjoyed knowing him, but, um, but yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. And um, I, I know some of the uh, people don't have an appreciation for logistics, but logistics work is, it's so important. I think the statistic, maybe you know better than I, is like uh, something, it's got to be like 20 plus people for every like, if you want to like equal, you know, equalize it to like infantrymen or like some of like combat arms personnel, there's a lot of people working to make that combat effective. And that's true in the military yeah. and that's true in civilian life too. And, um, yeah. you know, so. You don't really hear too much about the logistics or the quartermaster corps and stuff like that. Um, but they, they make everything wrong. Without quartermaster, without literally my job being on the field, like nobody could go anywhere. You'd just be sitting in a tank stationary so even though it was a bullshit job it was one of the most important ones you know in our unit i know the marines always like to make fun of the water dogs uh for, for sure. sort of a similar sort of thing right the people the water. Too. yeah yeah exactly but like if you have no water you're you're gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no battle with no without water <laughs> so and it's almost- mostly because they just sit on the river or sit at the lake and they just filter water and hang out bullshit when no one's around They'd swim in the blivets and do all that. They have a good time. So on the civilian side of things, um, I was curious if you've ever tried silver thiosulfate or if uh, Kyle, predicated breeding, he's a feminized seed breeder, if he might have any tips for you in uh, getting that GMO to reverse. I don't know if you've ever worked with reversals or not before, but I know a lot of people like the STS over the colloidal silver there. So I tried the STS um, by Mendo 420. Um, and it didn't really work. I'm not going to say it didn't work. It worked. But I think, you know, my main problem with that was, is that, you know, trying to get information from him during the time. So when they started, uh, when they started kind of opening, I stopped spraying and they stopped producing. And then at the same time, I didn't realize, you know, the technicalities of getting in there and kind of opening up the pollen sacks because they don't really open. Um, so there's a whole bunch of different things that I plan on doing this time. Uh, I'm hitting it twice. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to try to blow this plant out as much as possible. And then I'm going to use, and anybody can tell me if they've tried it or if they think it's crazy, but I'm going to use like a vibrating tooth, toothbrush to kind of rub that across the sacks, kind of try to pop them open without causing any damage to allow whatever pollen's in there to release. I've done it with tomatoes. Just I was just saying, I've seen that same technique with tomatoes. I don't see why it wouldn't work. I was saying, I don't think you have to worry too much about being too gentle because if you're trying to get the pollen out, if it's already in there, you're just basically beating it up to remove it. But um, right, but what I've noticed is there's flowers like, don't press even, on it. They don't even rely like, on pollination on like we do, like uh, like others do. So I I didn't quite hear that. Oh, sorry. i was just saying I I'm I was just saying that uh, cannabis flowers are wind pollinated anyways, so they're going to get out and about in a way that pollinated pollinator syndrome dependent yeah. they'll open up not. definitely well, i know the gotta... flowers i mean a lot of the stuff and research i've done over the past six eight months is saying that the flowers open 
but the, the actual like sacks that like the bananas don't quite pop open and people will go in and try to open with their hands and then when they do that they press and the moisture causes the, the pollen to just kind of cook up and not really uh so yeah, I just had that thing. I just had a huge issue with that with all my New England rock candies. I got a real uh, a video that I just posted a couple days ago where I basically reverted. So uh, I guess to start from the beginning, some plants do have an extremely hard time throwing, and those are usually like the better plants, from my experience. The ones that produce the most THC are, are in my experience, just seem to be harder. Uh, and just basically, you need to just jack up the, uh, the the PPMs or just increase the the dosage in order for them to throw because. Uh, that's just from my experience, what works the most. So like what would work on, like I had a bunch of Bruce banners that, you know, there's a bunch of recipes that everybody uses in the industry for STS. And it made that one throw an extreme amounts of pollen. This is a girl plant, by the way, that reverse as much as, as a, uh, a male would. But when I use that same spray on, uh, you know, my rock candy who like pumps out 30 plus CHC, she just grows bananas and doesn't throw anything. Um, but, but will fully revert to male, but just won't throw any pollen. And, um, but what I do is either the vibrating toothbrush works, but what, one thing I also do is I, I use a, a shot back on blow mode. And that usually, if, if it's the stamen, you can't do that. But if you're just trying to rustle up some pollen and go everywhere, nice. um, a shot back works amazing to just kind of rustle them up and blow pollen everywhere. Like um, but, but I'm currently That's in the process the right now with, with where you are is I actually just collected all, because I have a fully, a full six foot plant mother that was reverted that I got no pollen, but I have stamens filled with pollen. And I know there's, there's pollen in there. Cause I did what you did. I would, I would, I was pressing them and squeezing them. I could see pollen and it was caking up. And like yeah. you said, moisture does kill it. So I collected it all. And I'm currently drying it all out. And then I'm going to basically, you know, until it's completely dry and then sift it and then use that, uh, that same pollen to eventually pollinate. Uh, so okay. it's not, a, it's not a complete wash if you do collect them and save them. For sure. Trim bins What's the, what PPM, what PPM do you, is max that you guys, cause I've seen between 30 and 50. I've seen somebody spray 120. So for, that's for colloidal or, for colloidal, yeah, or just straight colloidal. Um, I don't. Uh, I did. I did colloidal. I don't have too much. Uh, I have a partner of mine that's kind of more. He's basically doing colloidal. I'm doing silver thousand uh, sulfate to kind to to try and unlock some of these harder uh, phenols. So I could get the information to you after and send it over. I'd have to ask him though. What about the laser pointer tech, Kyle? You said if you could shine a laser through the thing and it's it, yeah, hundred percent true. So in order to ensure that you have at least an effective dose. Uh, if you shine a, a, a laser pointer through, uh, let's just say a glass of, let's say if you have a clear glass and you pour that in there, you should be able to see a solid beam. And what that is, is it's, a, it's enough ions in there that you're actually refracting that you, it's, it's strong enough that you can actually, you know, it's making it away as a full beam versus uh, spotted. Uh, okay. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, what I've noticed I is that in my bottle spray tube, the whole, the whole tube is filled with silver. So I was figuring I was probably getting enough. Yeah, yeah. If you shine a, a laser beam, or I'm sorry, like a little cap pointer laser, and it's going through, that means you have enough uh, refracting particles to make a whole line. That it's, it's definitely where it needs to be. Now, what I was wondering, because I've been doing tons of research on cytokinins and uh, jabrilic acid and other ways, because you know I know that there's people in the ag industry that aren't just using. I don't think STS is the most. Uh, you know, all the industry knows is STS, but I know that there's people that are making seeds in ag that have a better process than what we're using and i just know it's out there and i've been uh, i've been searching into i've been talking a lot of phds and stuff like that and uh in different colleges and uh, i've been kind of getting closer into a different remedy guys, than just are, are you guys familiar with uh cotton candy grapes i am yes yes how many how many members on the panel have had cotton candy grapes okay i have had them okay yeah, so good. 
this is an example of selective plant breeding where they do or well they'll do a traditional breeding program and then they'll select out of a wide range of phenotypes to pick out what they want and I know that traditional ag the way that seeds are produced are usually done uh like GMO like all, like a most conventional if you're if we're talking about large farms we're usually talking about agriculture industry Bayer Monsanto those seed companies are uh, producing you know seeds that can have negative adverse effects on um, other species if they're uh, cross-pollinated that being said I think the best way for breeding is going to be traditional uh doing outcrosses doing working a line and uh and choosing from large larger selections that um, yeah, i mean you can still do that with girls i'm just i'm just trying to crack the code of reversals basically. i want to comment one thing on brandon's statement with the cotton candy grapes that wasn't gmo to my knowledge that was a no. strain called princess crossed to like l31808 or something something like that's patented. that that's why i said it was it was a traditional style breeding where they took uh they took a cultivar and they cross-pollinated it but they had thousands of different varieties out of that well, pollination that they looked through i know one of them is exclusive because i was stoned to shit and i was fucking <laughs> and i scanned the little thing on the cotton candy grapes and it was well, like, they also they also <laughs> grew a lot of them in test tubes which might be not super traditional i mean definitely not but it's it's interesting too because when you think about grapevines, I know I, I, I've talked to people that have been in the wine industry, specifically cultivators, and you can take a cut just like cannabis and it will produce something different in a different region. Um, and also it will have uh, different susceptibilities depending on where it's located. And there are even stock uh, types of varieties that won't even grow unless it's grafted on to another variety's rootstock. Yeah, that's pretty common. Um, the a lot of uh, a lot of French cultivars were saved because they were transplanted to American rootstock during the phylloxera epidemic, yep. for example. Which was a, uh, if I remember correctly, a fungal pathogen, soil-borne. No, it's an insect. Pathogen? It's an aphid-like insect, like a oh. root aphid, kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay, wasn't there? A, I I remember reading something about there was um there was, was also wood. A f- it was a type of wood. It was like you met. It was like um you're thinking of the blight that blight that uh mm. that took over, and they had to transfer the stock. The entire stock needed to be accounted for and and uh replanted or something but yeah i remember i because i reposted it uh when matt posted it this is maybe you're talking about the uh chestnut blight yes that's oh, well, that was that what you're talking about brandon no that this was, the, was uh, this was that this was vines. this was in uh a wine yeah uh, i mean there's definitely been uh yeah i mean pierce's disease today is still a huge problem for uh grape grape growers Z- 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 
the bacterium. Anyways, uh, I could be get, I could be getting something. <laughs> so. Well, no, I will say this though: they did cross pollinate uh, the cotton candy grape. Not to not to dwell too much, but but I do agree with Brandon. I think your point's still valid, though. Um, you know, taking uh, selections from many from from a large uh, group, and uh, they did cross pollinate and do a lot sort of thing. But the the cool thing that one of the cool things I guess you could say that cotton candy grape uh, producers did was that um, they were able to grow them out kind of like in test tubes to like check their phenotype or certain aspects of their phenotype kind of on mass in that way. And so they didn't have to like have massive fields in order to do that, but they still did that aspect of it too. So it's a really interesting research for sure. Definitely. definitely. Going back to the reversals um, ethos, who's a little bit controversial. Some people love them or hate them, but one thing they talked about is the alpha fem process and i've listened to their podcast a few times where they talked about their hints and how they're doing it and they claim a certain level of co2 in the room and a certain level of gibberellic acid with the healthiest female they always claim it's like the tallest female it'll shoot out like one lower branch and they feel that this is how like og cushion a lot of the big strains came to be but um a lot of them will just herm on that one lower branch and he calls it alpha female perfectly healthy plant otherwise everything is growing beautifully and nothing else in the room herms except for like the one and they claim that the process is engaged by gibberellic acid and co2 uh, i don't know if they've revealed anything further than that but it's something for people if you're into reversals and not trying to use colloidal silver or silver thiosulfate to maybe look into or consider um, but i'm well, on well, the hell, reading side as well if you want to make something herm i could i can make almost anything herm yeah, I'll right. tell you what, That's I know hilarious. how to I know how to do that real well because I've done it like a lot of times. Nothing like failing. Hell yeah. Right? Same just here. Push it, it. You know, if you there's so much things that you can do to make a plant naturally herm too. Like if you push nitrogen really, really, really hard through a flower, if you have you know nutrient imbalances, light leaks or interrupted photo periods is almost a guarantee. Like I could light stress almost any variety I have. And if you do it long enough and you keep fucking going, that thing will eventually it'll start just going all wacko. I've seen it happen on just like leaving a green light on in the cultivation for just the night. And within a couple of weeks, you got 12 plants that have herms. When I was working on cultivation here in Vegas, I've seen that at least three times. Yeah, so when we first got our greenhouses installed on our very first run, we had a small section of the greenhouse that started Herman, and we're like, oh, motherfucking breeder, blah, 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 blah. And then we didn't realize that our fucking control panel was this, like, bright blue light that fucking clicked oh, on. Sure. That clicked on at fucking nighttime. Um, and so, uh, you know, That's we corrected that problem. But – it's really, I mean, there's a lot. I only had a herm to me one time, and that was literally two grows ago. And now I got a bunch of GMOs seeded with, I don't even know what herm, because I didn't even know until I got seeds. And I checked. It must have been a small one like you guys talked about, because, I mean, I've, I get in there as much as I can and, and look for those. It might have been itself. Yeah, that's one generation. That was a story of my life. Did you say it did it itself or it could have done it itself? Yeah, S1 maybe. Yeah, self-pollinated. So I'm curious, Seven, um, what have you found to be the cultivars that um, 
have the most like pain relief, I guess, trait or at least reaction for you. I know that the pharmacodynamics of cannabis, and I've just recently posted about this, people have genes in them that have SNPs that are, that are um, or rather the enzymes uh, that can be different. Well, the genes are, but rather you can have these differences and um, you can have totally different reactions to different compounds. And now I'm sure you're already aware of that, but sure. um, for yourself, what, what has been the best for you? So far, uh, peyote purple. Um, from what I understand, she's a Bubba Kush cut or pheno. And um, it, it's great for nerve pain. Before I had my back surgery, uh, I would make oil out of that. And it just took, every, I mean, I, I didn't have pain ever when I was on that. Um, I ran out of those seeds. I actually just got, maybe like two months ago, I was able to get another pack from uh, Cannabis Giant, or how do you say their name? Um, maybe, a, maybe a Bubba Kush cross. Well, when you look at the name, it says it's a cut of a Bubba Kush selection. So well, I, don't the, know. I, I, I ran, I ran Bubba, I ran Master and the Purple. They're all really, really similar, uh, you know, Afghan Hindu type varieties. Right. And the, I personally, out of all of those, the uh, Purple is, was my favorite one, Bubba and then the Master. They're all really, really similar, but that was a specific clone only. So it had to have either been, uh, I think, a outcross. reversal, yeah, either a reversal or a out or a or an outcross. Peyote is another strain, so it seems to me like it's probably crossed to peyote. Yeah, um, and then the purple cross of peyote and purple. But I, I, I you know, Brandon I always, a question. I always thought that that it? Bubba, because it was the pre ninety eight Bubba, right? I always thought that that Bubba was one of the uh one of the phenotypes of the uh the uh the the afghan times purple hindu which created the purple kush out of oaksterdam i always was under the impression that uh it was a sister of that it was a different phenotype that came out of that hunt i'm not sure on that i do know that the two bubba and pre-98 are the same thing yeah well, then i would the guess i would guess that you know, that's probably what it was then. But that the cush that that right there, that helps me with pain. And if I'm looking for something that's like attitude, like reinforcement or a daytime smoke, uh, I'm a huge fan of Star Pupil. It's by Mass Medical Strains, like that's what I'm smoking on right now. Um, she's definitely uplifting. She's an out like get outside of your house and smoke kind of thing. Ooh, what happened here? What was the question, Jack? I was oh, asking uh, what works for my pain and what works for me as a... Did I cut in and out? My bad. Yeah, Is Star Pupil related to Headband Doji at all? I do not believe so. I think it's like a... I think it's Colombian and Hi, Mexican and, and Thai. I believe it's something like all those crossed. My screen went black, so I don't I can't see you guys. But, you uh, say it was we can, like see, we can see and hear you fine. Oh, but genetically, right. he, he got it mapped, and I think he says it's Thai, Paki, Afghani. The star people. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Brandon, yeah. Um, question to you from the chat. Justin asks, is there an expiration date on Bokashi Earthworks products? Who I got questions to. <clears throat> um, if there is, I haven't found one yet. You know, so the vi the viability of these micro products, the here's the great the greatest thing about the different species of of uh, microorganisms they all endosporulate 
And so when the fav- when the conditions are unfavorable for continual growth, they encapsulate their DNA into a spore that can withstand a lot of different environmental con- uh, conditions. And so that when they do come into the conditions where it's favorable for them to grow, then they can bloom. You know, they're, it's just like a seed. It's basically uh, the microbes version of, you know, I guess uh, it's not reproduction, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like hibernation, you mean? Exactly. Hibernation. So like question with that product, like I had the micro plus, Uh, the Mm -hmm. Bokashi hasn't changed at all. The amino N plus hasn't really changed at all, but the micro plus when I got it in there, like an full like juice. And now it smells almost like a hard apple cider. It almost smells like there's like a liquor. And one of the people on the farm says once it starts to get that sort of like alcohol, just use it at lower dose. Damn, my connection's messed up again. Hope I'm not cutting it out. But- yeah, it should definitely not smell like alcohol. Um, that is, you know, it's like I have, hold on one second. I have bottles of it right here. I'll go grab one. What about wine? Should it smell like wine? So I got one I got mixed up that I've been, it's like two weeks in now. It never really needed to be burped. Um, I was asking uh, Ganja Gardner about that because he ran the same thing. So I was just curious, like, how do I know if it's good or not good? You're talking about a flower or a product? No, the Micro Plus. The Micro Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, um, keep going. You know, it obviously smells sweet because it has the base when it starts to ferment it, it's consuming all of the, the molasses. So, but it has more, it should have more of a kind of a stale beer, but without any type of alcohol smell. So it's kind of sweet and yeasty is what it is, what it should smell like. And so, Ooh, I just got shocked. Um, one of the things about the purple non-sulfur bacteria is they actually do use it in biological battery cells. And that's one of the reasons why I found out why when I pour it into the bottles, the, uh, it, it creates a lot of static electricity. But um, if it smells like rancid, like, like it smells disgusting, that that's what you don't want as long as it has a it should have like a sweet kind of funk to it yeah yeah i think that's a good description it's not really foaming up when i when i stir it or shake it anymore so they're Um, really really active too you you have to understand i'm not cutting this stuff with water it is it's coming from a a a batch that's extremely it's really strong. In fact, I'm actually going to go get all the stuff tested. Um, everything's going really good. And I'm just so busy. Uh, and I'm looking for a, a building for Bokashi. I'm trying to look for a, a, like a house to buy right now. Um, That's hard out plus, there. Plus, it's like oh, with everything that I have going on. So um, I'm going to be sending uh, labs. I also have a new product. It's going to be a Bacillus plus and it's going to be it's going to be uh, uh five species five different species well the bacillus subtilis will be in there too it'll have the uh, bacillus ba- subtilis the bacillus um uh it'll have uh, bacillus megatherium it'll have 
it'll be in a fulvic carrier with added iron because what I found in a lot of the research and the data that I'm seeing over and over in organics that one of the hardest things because of the oxidation and redox pH and all that when it comes to iron and how it becomes available iron is really really tricky and you can stabilize uh, Fe2 plus at low pHs in fulvic carriers and you can have that uh, with high levels of microbes as well to so you get the uh, added benefit of like the phosphorus um, the uh, phosphatase enzyme to release uh, phosphate from phosphorus mineral. Um, and then you still get the benefit from the manganese. So it really does help with uh, the plant's energy um, requirements as far as the, the releasing that phosphate. And then having that added in, uh, iron will really help with the photosynthetic um, elements the production of those chemicals um, and the bacillus species that are gonna that I'm going to be using um, so far the ones that I've researched that have the highest enzyme production capacities the highest highest secondary metabolite productions um, and then I'm also going to add in trichoderma so it's going to be five species of bacillus and then a trichoderma um, and I'm incorporating that uh, Bacillus subtilis trichoderma with the other four species of really, really high enzyme producing bacillus species of bacteria. Again, with that fulvic carrier and that extra iron, it'll, it, in the, the, I think the best benefit of this too is having that fulvic carrier will kind of help with, um, you know, the natural chelation of some of these other uh, micronutrients and keeping them in, in a stable form that's biologically available to the plant in the soil solution itself when it falls into the solution. Hey, Brandon, Flora Nugs in the comments asks if your products have been tested for heavy metals um, or microbe content, I guess, by a third party. Um, I think you did get tested for heavy metals, right? Uh, I just had my uh, the soil that I'll have uh, manufactured for um, heavy metals. Most of the products, there's not going to be any heavy metals in the micro plus because it's um, it's RO water, it's uh, it's organic molasses and microbes. So there's nothing that could have heavy metals in there. Um, as far as the other products, they all have um, uh, material safety data. Um, from the manufacturers because a lot of the a lot of the products that I sell um, minus the Bokashi is well the Bokashi is contract manufactured now but um, all of those products what I'm doing is I'm repackaging uh, I buy in bulk because a lot of the stuff you can't really buy in small quantities <laughs> So for like ag silk, for instance, you can buy ag silk, but most home growers don't need uh, a 50 pound bag of ag silk, you know, and by the time they would use that, that ag silk will, will have turned hard as a rock. So 
a lot of what I'm doing is making things available that I use to home growers. And then, you know, I'm also, you know, manufacturing the microbes. That's really what Bokashi is about is all these different microbes that I use things like the Vuvaria bassiana, the Bibsilis thuringiensis, the biocontrol stuff, the things that are used for the cycling and of nutrients and for, you know, soil for fertility and knowing what you're putting in. Because for me, I'm not like my soil's already built. I'm not trying to build a soil profile. I'm not trying to do a bunch of soil food science. I'm literally just like wanting to make sure that my plant has adequate nutrition that's balanced when it falls into solution and that I'm getting the added benefit from a selective consortium of microorganisms that I use specifically for what they do and what the science has shown to what they do. I wanted to say my neck doesn't smell like alcohol. I just re-smell it and it kind of sets stale beer without the alcohol. It's just not as sweet anymore because the molasses has been eaten up. Uh, one question I had that I think the people in the chat might be wondering as well. I've heard it, other people sort of criticize some other product that have a consortium, but also use trichoderma because they claim trichoderma will ultimately just dominate whatever is in the consortium. So I'm curious uh, your and Matthew's thoughts on that. And um, just if you have any our, our thoughts are the same in that definitely not a necessi necessarily true statement, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so what, what we would see in nature is that you will have balances between things like um, endo and ectomycorrhizal fungi, free living fungi in the soil, as well as uh, trichoderma associations in the rhizosphere within, you know, the, and that are directly correlated with, you know, nutrients uh, exchange and, and cycling. However, when we're talking about, you know, directly inoculating into a system that really can facilitate the growth of these specific types of microorganisms. The reason why I use the trichoderm along with the bacillus, as opposed to things like uh, mycorrhizal fungi is because, you know, when we're adding large volumes to achieve a goal, that's, you know, that I can see on a test. If I add trichoderma into the soil system, you can see higher, uh, you can see the higher iron in the leaf tissue, right? So there's a direct correlation to when those are applied and what happens. I think it's incredibly effective. I'm just um, playing a little bit of a devil's advocate because I have similar comments raised about products uh, like Recharge out there. I, I, shout out to Scotty Real. I think he does good stuff. I've used Recharge before and liked it, but I've also heard people to say it's a bunch of sugar and a little bit of a biostimulant with uh, some of the other things in there. So it's always an interesting conversation to see micro using and why. Yeah. And uh, to answer you, the criticisms maybe that the community might have. You have, you have to remember that bacteria and fungi work together. And in this specific case, the bacillus species of bacteria has been shown in science to work really beneficial. The bacillus subtilis and trichoderma combination is one that is, is not something that I created. It's something that I see over and over and over in traditional agriculture, other than in America where you know, the convention is pesticides and chemicals. But if you look at natural farming all over the rest of the world, 
a lot of these techniques are used and they're used extremely efficiently. And all I'm doing is applying the same sciences. And trust me, I've tried other things and some things do work and some things don't. And it's the application. If I apply something like a mycorrhizal fungi and I get absolutely no benefit whatsoever, but it's a huge cost. Why am I going to keep doing that? Because I think it might work. And it's really about the system though. You know, a lot of these things are designed and have, you know, co-evolved with plants to help them function better in agronomic soils. Okay. Soils that are deficient in nutrients, soils that wouldn't necessarily, you know, in soils where plants wouldn't necessarily get all of the things that they need to, to meet their, you know, full genetic potential. But when we've constructed a soil ourselves and I'm looking at data to see how it's balanced and what's present, then it works a little bit different because even the microbes, when you're looking at microscopy work, you can see that there's an abundance of microbes in these environments, but it's because microbes also, you know, operate similar, similarly to plants. They need different types of, of uh, micro and macronutrients. They need nitrogen, they need carbon, they need iron, they need manganese. Uh, manganese and they need all these other different things in smaller different ratios and so they're able to sequester these in soil lock them up in their bodies but again i want a specific thing from the products i'm using you know the biocontrol protectant is the is the biggest thing you know i want to make sure that i don't have to worry about insect pressure and i don't have to worry about disease and when you have you know these types of microbe consortiums that work specifically because of their metabolites they're able to suppress pathogens and you know help fight off disease they're they're inherently healthier you know and as long as you are diligent in the way that you approach your ipm when it comes to these biocontrol microbes because that's what most of this is you know this this particular product is it's an, it's an IPM product, but it shows that manganese and phosphorus, it cycles those things incredibly. I love so, it for sure. You know, in addition to that, like the thing, and people are saying this also in the comments, like somebody was asking like trichoderma versus like mycorrhizae or whatever. And like, I think the, the sort of the giveaway to why that statement doesn't even make sense as a question or a, or a statement is that people are saying trichoderma and blank. Trichoderma what? Trichoderma is a massive genus. It's huge. All, all those species aren't going to act the same. And even no. the isolates of those species will not necessarily act the same no. in the same environment or the multitude of different environments they are going to uh, interact with the various communities of other microbes and such. Like you're talking about, Brandon, different abiotic factors. So it's just like, it's just sort of like, uh, it's just not a good yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just, yeah. and I find that I've, I'm interacting more and more with situations where people make statements like that, that are kind of a simple statement that like, because of its simplicity, it's sort of inherently, it makes it flawed because it you have to be- why it's a bad thing in the first place, right? You, and you know, it's I'm oversimplifying, tra- essentially. I'm talking about trichoderma har zyanum. 
which is in probably well over 3,000 agriculture products worldwide. This is one of the most studied trichoderma uh, products, and it is worth Harzianum, right? Harzianum. Yes. So I use that, but I also like mycorrhizal fungi. I don't know why the fucking mycos granular on transplants. I know everybody in this study, they throw at me, they say, oh, it takes too long. It takes months for it to establish this relationship or that relationship. But every time I've used it side by side, not using it on a transplant versus using it on the transplant, I've had way better roots and the plants Mm -hmm. are way happier, faster on the days after the transplant. So that's the one area where I'll say like, I do see benefit especially because it's a relatively low cost product, even through them, you can get it cheaper through other people. But um, I think it's pretty affordable, relatively speaking, because you only have to use a tiny amount of it dusted on to whatever transplant zone you're going into. But be a problem it could if be something else. So, well, but you have to remember too, most of what you're seeing is in those tubs that you're, that powder that you're actually applying is a carrier. You know, it's usually like, that's the same with like water though water is a carrier for the molasses and the microbes and if it works i mean there's always going to be a little bit of a carrier it's a cut it's and that's one of the reasons i offer spores so if people want to make their own concentrate they can do that you know but i also understand that some people don't have the time or they don't well we kind of have to we i mean i kind of literally had to make five gallons because i was going through a bottle every two two weeks three weeks yeah. And I was like, I, I need, I can't pay $28 every time. Yeah. And the reason why, and here's the greatest thing, right? So yeah. if you Give look the to do that, I needed it. You, I like it. So yeah, I always have that. I have that option and I have that option for, you know, for a reason, because I actually would rather people get the spore and make it themselves, you know, because it's less labor on my end. I have to charge $28 because it costs money to manufacture it have bottle it put a sticker on the bottle all that other stuff for sure Uh, no i understand cost but hey this really for 28 bucks that's not a bad deal if you look at a lot of the other micro products that are on the market i'll pay that shit all day man i fucking love it i don't give a fuck i'll pay full price i don't even use the discount code anymore i mean to me it's just like it's worth it. it. It makes the plants really happy and you get a lot for what it is. And you only have to use like a shot glass per gallon is the rate that roughly, or even half that. Yeah. Works. So it's really, you- really strong. It's so much stronger than Terraganics EM1. So this is my first like organic in a sense grow. I took one of your recipes, uh, Rust, and started using uh, the biochar recipe that you put out, it's like one of the first ones on your page. Yeah, that, that's a really good recipe. A lot of people have success with it. I'm liking it so far. Yeah, I mean, I think the only issue that I had is I didn't know what to amend with and when exactly. So I kind of went with the craft blend from um, Build the Soil. And uh, I mean, I'm yeah. seeing good results with that. In fact, I've seen uh, different genetics or different, um, you know, kind of genes come out of the plants where they got bigger, fatter, greener leaves. Uh, compared to how I've grown before, the like, it's just two GMOs in my old soil compared to this soil. They look completely different. So what I what I typically see is in smaller volumes, it they run out faster, especially when you have a plant that's growing really really fast. And what I normally look for is I want to see a plant go. And I want to see it be nice and healthy and lush and green until that 
you know, that last stage of its life where it naturally senesces and it just stops producing chlorophyll and then all the other uh, colors come through. I don't ever like to see any type of like, um, like drying off of the leaf where they're kind of crunching up, like getting dry and curling or turning yellow, like a nitrogen deficiency. I like to see all those natural, like really beautiful colors from the anthocyanin and from the carotenoids to come through. So you have all these really beautiful colors. I feel like I have, um, because I run small pots a little longer that I start to get those issues that we're definitely not looking for. Um, and then, I mean, I'm going to run a five-gallon pot in any kind of living soil. I, I feel like there's always a thing. So one of the tricks, I think, for organics in general is going to be, you know, making sure that you have enough nitrogen to truly get you to finish. And it's best to kind of front load nitrogen cal and calcium in in the vegetative phase that way you can kind of pull off but you know if you start to see any kind of deficiencies those using the amino acids really help because it's something that's um, readily available and i think that you know if you use something like the potassium sulfate as a top dress you don't need a whole lot i personally like using um the stuff that's still granular in form because I find that as I'm watering, it's breaking down slower as, as opposed to like immediately, if I were to use like a powder, it would be more available. It would hit the roots faster. I would like to see a slower breakdown. So that way, the, that way the soil stays balanced more over time. So that's one of the big things is making sure that you have enough nitrogen and calcium in the front to get you through the, the cycle, but also making sure that your levels between particularly in flower between magnesium and potassium aren't reversed because typically what I see is that there's too much magnesium in soils as there's not enough potassium. So if you're using a little bit of this potassium sulfate as a top dress, or even, you know, I was thinking about this too, if you're, if you know you have a magnesium deficiency, instead of using Epsom salt, you can use the langbanite, but you can't ever use langbanite to fulfill a potassium deficiency. You can only use it for a magnesium deficiency because it's magnesium, sulfur, and potassium in that particular element. But if you were to use that along with, you know, um, the potassium sulfate, you'll never have that problem where the ionic balance where magnesium is above potassium because you always want to see potassium above magnesium throughout your whole flowering. So Aaron yeah, Brewer seen... said he had to go about five o'clock. So Aaron, I wanted to give you a chance if you wanted to give your final shout outs and uh, get rolling. Thanks, man. Uh, yes, got to take care of uh, the mother, you know, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Um, thanks for tuning in on Mother's Day. If you're a mother, that means a lot to us. Um, good to see you guys. And Spartan, special thank you, man. Um, it's all, you're the man. <laughs> uh, Brandon, thanks for saving me the seed. Uh, seven, really cool to see you on the show, bro. Uh, yes, went, from DMs, went from DMs to a reality, bro. Like, real shit. Um, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's, I mean, all you got to do is ask, right? Yes, man. That's it. People don't realize. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Cool. See you later. ATGAcres.com, ATGAcres on Instagram. That's me.
Get you a plant nice packer. Way. Best way to send a clone. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Got out there in the grower. He's a fucking man. It was a pleasure meeting you, Aaron, and uh, thank you again for coming this week. Likewise. Spartan, I know that you guys do some crazy stuff with mother plants, and as it's Mother Day, Mother's Day right now uh, over at Mitten Canico. Uh, Can I jump in real quick? Oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. I, I forgot you guys do like two-hour shows sometimes, three, so I got to run a 5-2 out of do a mother's thing with my girl. Uh, no worries. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, Brandon, if you're still there, uh, I'm going to give you a chat. I'm going to give you a call. Cat, uh, Cat, we wanted to chat and talk to you about some Gigi stuff, so... Um, Figured I would chat with you privately before the podcast. Sure, sure. I'll talk to you soon, dude. Auspicious. That's it, right? You guys have a good night. Um, hopefully, I can come back and chat some more. Look forward have a good to that one. in the future. Good night. Right, good night. Relaxed atmosphere underscore DS on Instagram. Check them out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. It was our pleasure, and uh, really happy to have you as a guest. And uh, definitely. Always cool to change it up, get a yeah. new perspective on the panel. You know, we were um, we were talking about having more people on the panel recently too. So this is actually a really fortuitous change. And um, shout out to Jack for uh, putting in the title here. You know, so that like when we have these panelists, like I have a, a strong sort of affinity for um, trying to celebrate people who are and facilitate people who I feel are doing a great job. It's so hard to be able to share that sort of information and sort of and that kind of stuff to other people, even in this community, despite like the uh, ubiquity of cameras and YouTube and all of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation. Um, Seven even reached out to me before we were even on the channel. It's just really cool that we can actually do that even in the first place. Yeah, I've got the links to all their um, social media that I'll read out here at the, actually, I guess I could do that right now. Let me zoom in. So they're on Instagram, relaxed underscore atmosphere underscore DS, which you can see on the YouTube page right now. They're also on Cannabuzz at relaxed atmosphere DS. They're pristine pet CBD. That's their new pet CBD line. And they're on Facebook uh, for pristine pet CBD. And uh, I think... TY relaxed atmosphere DS. I think that's supposed to be YouTube. I don't know though. And then Clapper. I'm not familiar with Clapper, but that's apparently another social media where they're relaxed atmosphere DS. So cheers to them. And uh, again, big thanks for coming on. I'm sure this won't be the last time that we're hearing from them and look forward to speaking with them in the future. Um, I did a seed uh, drop earlier in the week and I dropped kind of the last. <sighs> bit of some lime one bx stuff that i had uh the train wreck blueberry mk ultra lime one bx that i dropped if you guys um whoever has those packs i mean they're sold out now but um they're everybody who has those is going to be really really stoked uh they have some incredible funk um it des definitely has that kind of gmo that a lot of people look for right now even though it has it's you know as far as i know not related to gmo in any way um but it has you know it's got this 
really, really dense nug structure too. So I'm really excited for all the people that got that because um, that stuff turned out really fucking awesome. And it finishes in like eight weeks with just these golf, like it's like the purple kush that I used to grow where it's just solid, dense golf ball nugs. You know, the ones that like, when, whenever I used to go to like the connects house, when I was like a teenager and shit, sometimes we'd, you know, you would hear like the nugs as they clunk dude onto the scale. Right. You'd be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the ones, you know? So just these like nice dense um, golf ball type nugs that are really, really heavy. So I'm like super stoked. Uh, I did, I did, a, I did, I did a bunch of them and uh I, you know, I didn't take cuts or anything, but I have seeds, obviously more seeds for myself. So I'm going to be running through a bunch of those later in the year. I think I might even have some uh, in my curator. I'm going to go through all of the seeds that you sent me. I might even gift a few to my brother. Uh, Spartan Grow, and I was trying to toss it over to you there for a second earlier. I know you guys grow GMO over at Mitten Canico, or at least I think so. And it is Mother's Day. I'm curious if you have any Mother's Day tips. I know we've talked about this in past shows, but it's always good to revisit some of the things that you do to keep a healthy mother plant, even if it's just for one run. Um. Yeah, so we're in Cocos, which makes it easy because uh, fully saturated cocoa has still got plenty of air available to the roots. And so uh, we usually have them in, I think the biggest one is maybe a 10 gallon. Um, so we'll transplant into a 10 gallon and we'll just start watering that thing. And um, once they get to be where the root ball fills the pot and um, that's when you have to water to runoff every time and sometimes two times a day <laughs> uh, if you let them get too big. But um, we give it the same uh, nutrient that we give our veg, our, our bigger veg plants. So it's taking a full feeding and it's basically just veg nutrients. We're not giving them any special, we don't make any adjustments, I'll say, for the, uh, for the mother plants. And um, the, only, the only special training wise that you would really want to do is like that. So when they get to be that size, the, you know, you're not going to get a much light penetration through all that canopy. So you have to go through there and you're going to have to get some of the, a lot of the inside branching has to come out. And uh, a lot of those uh, big fan leaves have to come off to give us better, you know, elongation and give us better sites to cut clones off of. But, you know, off a plant like that, we only need to get 200 cuts probably thing still looks healthy as hell too it looks really oh, verdant it's, it's but yeah good luck, good luck penetrating that canopy for pest control yeah i mean that's a five gallon bucket that it's sitting on i could literally get in that plant and hide in there yeah you could. <laughs> straight up yeah you could and that, i think there's a picture uh, of spartan next to it somewhere if i should i go up or down spartan I don't you know your thing better than I, would. I don't even know dude i have been looking i think that one was older so yeah i keep going up maybe but, uh, or you know, I go on, I think Mitten Canico, you'll find a better that I think they probably have it on theirs. I had to stop. This is too. Beautiful. So, hey, let me ask you a question, Spartan. So, are you guys are using the HLG boards at your work? No. Oh, no. you're not? No. No. We have, uh, at work, all we have is uh, in the flower rooms, we have uh, DEs. There you go. Look at that. Oh, okay. I feel, I feel like. I and then feel, down the middle we have fluence. You see those bars down the middle? Yeah. How how much of a space does that fluence bar cover? Dude, it goes wall to wall. 
See that? You see that? See that? Dude, our, on the outside, okay, so there's three tables there. You can kind of see. I can see it, yeah. Okay. And so they're, I think, four foot. They're at least four foot wide. They might be five foot wide. But I think they're four foot wide by 40 foot long. Yeah. Okay, so there's three of them in that room. And when we took our uh, meter in there, the uh, the meter, it, we gained 200 on the edges by the walls. What? Yeah. Okay, so here, because here's my thing, right? We're like, we want to change our greenhouses all to you know led but all the fucking boards that i've run that i'm running right now i feel like if the plants aren't directly under those boards the hlgs that i'm running right now at in indoor facility then the things are just like they are just missing out totally unless they're like literally directly under those things and it's like man it's like such a i feel like it's such a delicate balance for uh, for like, you know, you know, height placement for every different variety running those. And so when I yeah. see that you have one going all the way down the middle, cause I was talking with. And those Ed, are high up there, dude. Those are way the fuck up there. They're, what is it? Is it ECH LED? I think it is. I was talking to them. I met the owner, the guy that the room without the factory. Light. That's just regular light there. That's yeah. Just, that's just fluorescent right there. Okay. Because I no, meant, yeah, they have like a technology where they're really efficient and they're running like more efficient than fluids, more efficient than anything. But we were looking at the coverage space and it says like, you know, 400 and, you know, 60 watt light covers like a four by four space. And I was like, dude, if we were going to have, if we were going to convert, we'd have to take out 33 double ended HPSs and put in 88 of these leds and it's like i don't know if th that doesn't make sense because one we couldn't do it power wise 88 times 1.4 amps is probably like i don't know like maybe 175 or 168 or something like that amps and we only have 200 amps on each house so it wouldn't be a feasible like conversion so my whole thing is like i'm trying to find what we can run as far as we have four beds to do a run, what would we have to do to do the less amount that could replace 33? It has to make sense electricity, electricity wise, right? If we right. only, if we're only running 33, um, you know, HP, uh, double ended HPSs, and then it's know, got like 4,700 watt LEDs. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because it's like seven or eight hundred watts is going to replace your. But, that, but, but the, do, to be, to be but honest, those, those what I do with questions like this is I just call HLG. I call Stephen, and he'll tell me like this is the best option I could. And he they, because they have the ability. That, I don't know. I could be wrong, but they're the only LED company that I know in the United States that has their own pick and place, which means they can manufacture their own boards. And so they can do some custom work. You know, so if you can tell them look, I'm looking to order X amount of lights. They might customize something right to your, your needs. Yeah. You know, cause I, I want to do led and then, I mean, ultimately what we're going to do is led and then we're going to have solar panels on our farm. It's That's just, the way to go. I mean, it makes sense. That would be cool. It does, especially in Oklahoma. So or California, California would be really cool. Um, yeah, man, California. 
I have the love hate relationship with California. You know, like everyone's gonna be LED. Twenty twenty three. As much as I like California, I do too. Absolutely. Hey, Mostly. you know what's really cool about Oklahoma, Matt? What is cool about Oklahoma? You have uh, less restrictions on your freedoms. If you want to come out here and you want to have a firearm strapped to your side at all times, by all means, you are absolutely welcome. Let me well, tell you a little, little. Let me tell you a story. And some people are going to be opposed. Some people will probably and think that this isn't cool or whatever. But we'll do that here. There, there, there was a, there was a robbery here in Oklahoma at a dispensary. They had like a CBD shop up front and blah blah. blah and then they have a a place where they have a dispensary. You know, somebody came into the dispensary uh, with a handgun. They tried to rob them. They ignored the person that was in the front of the building. And the person that was in the front of the building had a firearm on them. And they literally blew the head of the robber off his shoulders. And I mean, it sets a really good example, I think, because, you know, that's why this kind of things don't ever really happen. This is like a very like, whoa, everybody's like, whoa, we can't. And, you know, guess what? This shit isn't going to happen again because the next person that thinks about going into a place, they're going to remember, hey, the people out here have the ability to protect themselves. You are your own first response. I'll say this. When I went to Dr. Green Thumb Slimar, he goes, is that a flashlight or mace? And I go, oh, it's pepper spray. I could put it back in the car if you want, but trust, I'm not going to use it. I'm here to buy and he's like, no, it's okay. You could bring it in. Just no, we don't miss. <laughs> you just have to, uh, they had two guards yeah, and they were ominous. But yeah, um, yeah no, I don't know. And, and, I'm a fan of Cal- firearms. I think people should be able to have them. But if, if people are offended by that, I'm sorry to you. Um, but but it, yeah, I think it's- there's been a huge, like, uh, you know, there's been a big thing, especially in like San Diego. When I was out in San Diego, there was robberies all the fucking time. And it's because of... They, you know, it's because of those high taxes, those high regulations, and then some really stupid legislators that were trying that's to. That's cal- why. That's why they occur. Uh, I, most I, primarily. Primarily, they do occur because you have all these illegal operations where you have dispensaries that are open that operate, and then what they do is they give the city gives them, you know, a thousand dollar fine per day or whatever, and they they're okay with it, and they just keep pl- playing it because the city's getting paid. And then, you know, after a certain amount of fines, they'll go and across the street to the building that they own and they'll have a little rotation, right? There's all these different things that, that they were doing back down in San Diego and shit. And it perpetuates, you know, the, it per- perpetuates the kind of mindset, right? Where like, I'm going to have a fast come up. This is the black market. Like, it's not like that. This is a medicine and everybody should be included. And if it was like that, you, you wouldn't see all this stuff, you know, because those because you'd see better economies you'd see people who are who might be struggling who might be in a position like that to have uh that might have a job you know because there's so many different things and so ancillary businesses that dude he might have been gotten a job uh as an hvac dude or an electrician um doing something because there's tons of businesses that needed services for their companies as they're building you know what i mean it it works out as a whole like the reason why a lot of these things occur are because people are fucking desperate i mean that can be applied to a lot of things 
I would say this though. Um, I don't know if we should dwell on this topic too much, Jack, uh, but uh, uh, I definitely agree that people should be able to defend themselves. And I've taken courses and I know people who are like in a wheelchair or aren't able to escape easily or have other sorts of um, ailments or situations that make it difficult for them to um, make the number one thing about personal defense, which is not being in a situation where you're going to be um, you know, in danger. Um, so I, uh, I definitely have a, a, a nuanced and sophisticated opinion on the subject if I do say so myself. And I uh, support people who uh, don't want to be injured, I suppose. I also will say like, in California, it's not a complete failure because like my wife was able to get a job in the cannabis industry and sort of what would be considered like an ancillary business. And um, when she got let go from like her hotel job during the pandemic, she got deemed essential working in the cannabis industry, which in California was just legalized in 2018. So there is some benefits for sure that um, my family and others are uh, experiencing. Kyle Breeder yeah. says they got to hit the hay. So Kyle, do you want to give your final thoughts and shout out? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long day, guys. Sorry. Uh, I was down at, uh, I was down in the Cape. Don't uh, be. The Cape. <clears throat> um, down in Massachusetts. So it was kind of nice. Had some seafood down there. It's been a real long weekend, but um, yeah, I'm just glad everyone's still here again. I know I say it probably every time where I sound like a broken record, but we're still doing this. I'm glad that, you know, we give back to the community. I still get random uh, emails and, you know, it's, it's weird and I don't really know the, the number, but I still get, you know, I, sometimes I get curious when people uh, add me or follow me and I'm like, oh, what'd you, what'd you hear me from? He's like, oh, I heard you on the Cheap Home Grow podcast. So, I mean, it's been obviously a really good outlet for people and, you know, it's brought us, uh, you know, people learning and stuff. So I'm, I am uh, happy that I started doing this with you guys a long time ago. But, um, but yeah, so if anyone's looking for anything that I'm working on, uh, you can find me on all social media platforms uh, at Predicative Breeding, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you're looking for feminized seeds, you can find them at my website, which is the letter P followed by the word breeding.com. Um, I should have some more material on there soon. I'm going to be doing a pretty big cross with some bunch of new stuff that I have soon. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I uh, hope everyone's doing all right and uh, stay safe. Thanks so much for joining us, Kyle. I'm going to show off some of the website because we were talking earlier, Brandon was saying he could get any plant to uh, Herm. So I thought it was cool because one of the things I love about Kyle's website is he shows off, uh, it says, we stress test. And you see a picture of a plant outside. There's some uh, snow in the background. And yeah. then you've got this photo. It says root bound, uh, drought stress, over water, temp and humidity. And um, this is why of the breeders out there, I'm feeling confident to suggest his genetics is one of the first people for my brother to be growing seeds from one because it's feminized and it makes it easy for him to get a female but two because if he does underwater or overwater or keep it in a pot for too long and it goes through root stress or gets high temperature and low temperature i know at least uh, the parents were stress tested in that manner and passed and didn't uh, throw her him so shout out to kyle he does a lot of work for the community and has been very generous and uh, really cool website his uh, princess Elsa with the Z, even though it says S. I have that cut back, by the way. My buddy secretly had it for the last year. I didn't know it. He just gave it back to me. So I literally sure. had that cut. I have that cut right now. It's just it's a, an extremely, it's a tangy by uh, Cookies and Cream. It's, a, it's beautiful. It's an extremely valuable cut to me. But yeah, you know what's weird, Jack? We've talked about this before. I don't even look, I honestly haven't looked for uh, any type of intersex trait on my plant since uh, it's been over a year now. I don't even look anymore because I haven't, I don't have them anymore. Like there's, there is none. 
Um, so it does, it does work people. And you know, how it all started for me, if someone told me is uh Beggett's like Beggett. So like, if you have a strong parental line or, you know, good parents and they are strong, you know, and they're, they're definitely girl, you're, you're not going to have problems moving forward with feminized seeds. Uh, that's a fallacy for people who think that, you know, just because you're feminizing that you're going to have intersex traits. I haven't had any problems. I haven't, I'm deep into generations and with feminizing. So Kyle, if you got a minute, can you just uh, talk to me about the, uh, the, the strain I have? It was called just breeders cut. I think it was something like that. And I'm like, what the heck is breeders cut? Uh, I, I don't even remember what I gave you to be honest. Uh, I just kind of went to some stuff that wasn't on. Um, so I got a, so I got a rock candy cake. I got a um, breeders mystery. That's what I was asking you about. I got a breeder. Oh yeah, that's the, that's actually New England rock candy, man. That's a that's a strain that everybody wants that nobody that uh, nobody gets anymore. And I just figured I gave you and uh, uh, I mean I asked everyone on the panel just so no one feels left out if somebody wants some seeds and they actually whether they reached out or whether we call the conversation, but uh, um, but yeah, so I have like you know I when typically when I drop down to like thirty or forty seeds, I I lock things up and I take it off the website just so I have material to go back through and uh, work with and or self. And I just thought uh. Yeah, you know, I've known you guys for a long time, and you know, so I just gave you some of uh, the actual rock candy seeds that uh, no one has anymore. I appreciate that, dude. Yeah, those will probably be the first ones I pop. I'm about to yeah, pop uh, the less the rest of that uh, Highland tie you gave me. Yeah, you should. I just found, uh, man. I want to plant. I wish I, I wish I had. I mean, you're, I'm so jealous of you, Brendan, in a manner that you have like property or a place to like it sucks living in the city. And I mean, I, I mean, things are going to change for me coming up shortly here, but I just wish I could grow that plant outside because it's just like, I mean, if you look through my feed, you'll see here. And, and, but the cool about those plants is, uh, I mean, it, it's not, I don't know if it's genetic or environment. I'm pretty sure it's environmental, but they turn like a black purple, the flower. It's like black. It's, a, it's such a beautiful plant. And, um, just, yeah, it's just really cool to work with. And the high, is, like, says. The, the high is the, the effects are, are way more Gandhi. Like you, be, you have like a, a seventh sense and you're like extremely spiritual not it's nothing like the weed that we all smoke right now it's oh shit kyle you got six senses so you got a seventh sense from your weed much love brother hey uh chef omj says he'd be happy to test any of your new stuff if you're uh got any available so i know you and chef uh chef's a former member of the panel shout out to chef omj thank you for listening you're always welcome to jump back on especially on nights like tonight where we don't have too many people so i know you're still in the group chat you got that zoom link you're always welcome all right, I gotta go. Take care, you guys. Peace and love, Kyle. Peabreeding.com. That's where I just showed off some of that awesome information. He's got some really cool strains on there. You can buy even one seed at a time, mix and match a bunch of different really awesome strains that he's put together. So, uh, shout out to Kyle. Thank you again for coming. Right, later, boys. See you, dude. A little dead air as we wet our whistles, but that's. Uh, a little bit to be expected with just the four of us. I, you know, uh, in order to keep the silence away, I wanted to mention, and I put in the chat here, but uh, I'll be talking with Chad Westport, who's in the comments talking now about this. Uh, he just got the flyer done. It'll be on the 15th. And we'll, be, we'll be speaking about various topics, probably some IPM in there. So. Where at? Is this a future cannabis project thing? I believe, you know, it sounds really bad to say it like this all theoretically, but I believe so. Or at the very least, I know that we're using this a similar system. I think it's for, that's how it is in my calendar, actually. That's where I've seen most of Chad's stuff, but let us know, Chad, 
in the comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways. Cheers to Stony uh, Creek, who says cheers, Jack. And uh, Chad says, was it, what is the website again? Or was what it? What is the website? Was, what is, is my website? website, probably? Zenthanol.com. My website is Zenthanol.com. But um, to be honest, I use, I do most of my interactions through either YouTube, Instagram, or Patreon, um, which is a phrase I didn't expect myself to be saying five years ago plus, honestly. <laughs> I think it's a, you know, sensible evolution in how technologies continue to grow and allows people like us to connect with our communities, uh, even in niche communities or in larger ones. Uh, you get to interact with not just our cannabis community, but you're doing things with people in all walks of uh, agriculture and um, IPM. So I think that you've leveraged this opportunity very well. And I think that it's only going to continue to grow. And uh, I'm excited to see it because I've seen it happen over the last few years. Sorry, Chad did say in chat, it's the um, Future Cannabis Project 2 channel. So not the first one, but there's a second channel. Yeah, they started that. Very wise. They, Peter has a wide, wide range of content, so I think that it makes sense to have two channels and maybe start having more of a focus on the first channel of some sort. Um, I know it's all cannabis related, but I think sometimes maybe FCP2 will have like music and stuff, but who knows. Yeah, so as Chad puts here in the uh, comments, just to officially uh, describe it, yes, we'll be talking about integrated pest management, and various other things to do with gardening and cannabis growth and that sort of a thing. And I have uh, tons of things to talk about already prepared. So I am excited about that. Very good stuff. Uh, I know it's exciting times for a lot of people right now. Um, my brother, like I was mentioning earlier, is just getting started. So he might have some questions for you with the uh, different re locale that I'm in, uh, IPM. And we'll maybe talk about that off air. But um, oh, you I know, what? I wish. Go ahead. I, oh, I wanted to say too, because I know that there was a bunch of people that hit me up about the soil recipe that I made. Like that was a base mix, but I am having it tested. So that way, um, you know, I know what needs to be added to it because there's going to be small adjustments that need to be made. I mean, I'm sure that mix will be good to get you uh, through a little bit, but I want to like make sure it's perfectly uh, there. So um, there's going to be uh, another installment to that video that so many people asked me about and hit me up on. It was I quite popular. Would, uh, one of the things that I think somebody before your testing comes back could easily do is like build a soil offers like uh, six micros with some humic acid in there. And if you use it at really low amounts, I think that could cover because they said they've done thousands of soil tests and those six micronutrients that they added it's like copper, boron, zinc, uh, yeah. molybdenum, and a few other. I don't know. Manganese. Six of them. Manganese. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be uh, copper, zinc, boron, manganese, iron, and probably molybdenum. Yeah, so that's I what guess. I recommended to him because he was already ordering other stuff from there, yeah. like rice holes and pumice, mm -hmm. and so. They're big yeah. six. I'm about to pull up right now on uh, my other tab, but it's, I'm a big fan of build a soil. I think that they have reasonably priced stuff as well. Um, and for people that are looking. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say that Bill Soil is probably one of the best when it comes to their amendments. And, you know, Jeremy, I know personally, uh, I talked to him on the phone. They have testing, you know, they have heavy metals testing, they have saturated paste test and soil testing for their products. And independent from the product. So like they send them out when they get the product before they even put it on the shelf for an independent test. That's what I really like about the build the soils. Yeah. They're like legit. Too. Legit. They're one of the people I would say one of the few people in the cannabis uh, community and industry that are legit like they know like they know what they're doing jeremy knows what his what he's doing his team is really good i mean you know a lot of these uh companies they don't have testing that's for sure and especially like you know since we're on the topic of like microbes and elements and things like which of course we always are because of who's on the panel um but I do feel like it is important to note that like some of these products, especially those that are priced for the cannabis industry specifically mm -hmm. are, yep. you know, they're devoid of um, research that kind of in a very solid way, in a very like overt demonstrable way uh, in a way that does not sort of like mince um, findings or anything, especially when you're saying that things are specific for cannabis. Yeah. A lot of microbial interactions are super specific or really are at the very least they're like specific to a host or a group of um, species that are related or at the very least a certain kind of environmental context. Um, and so like that does make testing kind of difficult in some cases, like impossible to know for every sort of situation. Yeah. But I do feel like, uh, you know, a lot more can be done about it. And then there's also, of course, like the microbial counts and whether you're using, and you've mentioned this before, Brandon, you know, inocula versus like actual conidia or spores, you know, those are definitely not equivocal, equivocal. Um, and people don't know that necessarily, and they can get hoodwinked by um, terminology that seems on the surface to be um, the same when it isn't. So yeah. uh, I definitely echo that statement. Uh, the product that I have is really active and it's one of, it's, it's kind of a, it's not a problem, but it's, it, it's an, it, it, it's, you know, I've had to try to find different solutions as far as different caps. I've looked into trying to find uh, off gas caps, stuff like that, because when you're dealing with biologicals, they, they're alive or they should be alive or they should I have to... I used to I used to um, uh, make fruit wine. Uh, people, longtime viewers know this, and uh, I have some carboys with some um, uh, bubblers. So you might yep. maybe you might consider some sort of a well. We're talking. Situation. I'm I'm of course I'm, an industrial level, right? I'm specifically talking about for bottled product that's getting sent out. I'm oh, right, on right. the hunt for. You, what I've really found is that if I let the product sit a little bit longer, um, it's, 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 it settles out, uh, and, and then it's not s still activating. And, um, so that's one of the things that I've been doing is I've been, uh, making lar uh, batches 
that sit a little bit longer. They ferment a little longer. So that way when they're poured, um, they're not, you know, they're kind of still in their dormant state. Do you recommend shaking it? No, I don't recommend shaking it. It really activates the bottle. You could see like, okay. So if you go in, if I were to shake this bottle up, it'll start expanding. I don't want it to expand. Just, just for, so people are, I think a lot of people just by nature of like coming, maybe they grew in hydro and they're used to shaking their nutrients up to get it like evenly mixed or something, or just out of habit. I don't know. I've seen a lot of people yeah. do it. So I wanted to ask the question. Out of so, things are out of oh, solution. Yeah. No. Well, that's the thing. It's, maybe right. Do not shake on the bottle. Just yeah. Put like a big caution, be like live culture. Do not shake. Just don't attract the TSA's attention. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's overkill, but I just think um, for people out there, I'll admit I might have shaken it once or twice. I mean, it's, hey, I saw it's not, not going to hurt it. It's really not going to hurt it. But, um, you know, what I just see is that it's really it, it can be really active, especially when it's fresh. Um, so I've made a lot better timing to make sure I have huge batches brewed already. So that way um, we don't have any problems with the bottles expanding. So I would be just a different thing. material at the one end thing of the day. I noticed earlier is I only showed it on the screen, but I never actually said it. And I have started uploading these to the podcast again. So the thing that I was talking about earlier, the build of soil six, just to confirm, I went on their website. It is manganese with five other micronutrients, which are boron, cobalt, copper, molybdenum, and zinc. And a few of the people in the chat noticed as I brought it up that they're using, I believe what's called TM7 for their humic acid, which is from Dr. Faust, which people seem to be happy about in the chat on YouTube. Uh, people are like, Dr. Faust, that's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, I really like TM7. The one person made a comment that it's, it struggles to be water soluble sometimes. So it might be difficult getting it to absorb, absorb into your water. So maybe a wetting agent of some sort could assist that or stirring at a certain temperature. I don't know. Brandon, do you have any thoughts on the TM7 or Spartan? I think it's replacement for TM7. So TM7 was a product by BioAgg. They're still using BioAgg uh, to make this five or whatever he's calling it. It's just the a big six micronutrients big six. plus humic yeah. acid. So I think it's a replacement for that TM7 product. Uh, it's a similar product, just different. Oh, yeah. It says if you have been using TM7, this is a great time to drop in. The iron ramp up manganese uh, with our newest product. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like a. They're kind of saying cobalt is interesting to me because the plant, the plant. Um, I mean, I, I don't ever really like. We don't. I don't even really. I don't test for cobalt. You know, it's not something that we're looking at. We're not looking really at cobalt, selenium. I and mean, cobalt's a heavy metal that's dangerous to humans because I, I remember there was a documentary about medical devices and this one. Uh, surgeon he actually got a hip surgery with a cobalt joint because he's like a biker he was really active and the cobalt was better for long distance and if you use that joint a lot it was better to have the cobalt and then they found out they're getting cobalt poisoning and he did like crazy stuff he like took his own blood out and was like writing on the walls and it was a really big mess but i don't know if cobalt is considered a heavy metal in cannabis or not and if it's, it's something that's tested for not but, really i mean as far as i know I don't, I mean, maybe it's just something that I've never lo really looked into, but as far as I know, cobalt isn't an essential nutrient. 
Yeah, the only cobalt I want is the stuff in my knives to make them stainless and strong. But uh, I'm not so sure it's the same for plants. But I do know this. I know that there are three main exports from Russia. And first being cobalt, the second being vodka, and the third being novels written by suicidal authors. So cobalt is a heavy metal. I just Googled it. I'll share the screen and bring it up. But it says, yeah, heavy metals selected for, this is FDA.gov, arsenic, cadmium, chromium, cobalt, lead, mercury, nickel are present naturally in the earth. They are among a group of uh, commonly referred to as heavy metals. So I need to look into if it has plant benefits, but it is interesting that it's categorized as a heavy metal. As far as I know, there's not a, you know, a lot of research that, at least not for cannabis that that shows you know co- cobalt being important as a micronutrient it's not something that is typically even looked at when we're looking at soil or saturated paste tests in cannabis or even on standard um, uh, agronomic soils so i just googled it it says cobalt is a trace element in plants it has not been proven to be essential for plant life it is a component of a number of enzymes and increases the drought resistance of seeds in legumes cobalt is important for nitrogen fixation by the bacteria that association with legumes hmm. legumes are kind of strange when it comes to plants right they're very i think legumes are probably an ancestor to to i mean have a you know ancestors in uh some of the nitrogen fixing bacteria there might be some kind of horizontal drink well you know because they they're the the best fixtures of atmospheric nitrogen you know and you know um, the the associations that the associations that they make with those those microorganisms, I, it always gets me wondering if if those are the the ones that are so that you know came from that those types of species of bacteria. Well, uh, well, I think plant cells are pre- they're eukaryotes, so they're definitely not uh, sort of related to bacteria's lineage. But I will say this though: um, the really cool thing about that point that you've made is that um, I've already talked to you guys about this before, but for those who don't know, there's that Perisponia genus that's in the Cannabaceae and it's got orthologous genes with some, with a, like a, um, alfalfa, which is in the legume family. And that means that despite those lineages, Cannabaceae and Leguminosae, um, despite them being separated, Apparently, Perisponia has the same genes that the these legumes uh, that uh, alfalfa has, which implies that for some reason, tons of other plants um, in between these relatives, so that share that ancestry, that they have also let, let, uh, lost it. In, in addition to cannabis, for that matter, but for some reason, can, uh, Perisponia still has those genes. They didn't develop new genes or it's, it's not convergent evolution. They're the same ones. Could it, be, kind of- could it be maybe because I wonder if it would have anything to do with more carbon being tied up in the soil uh, earlier on and having the availability of nitrogen be more abundant that they wouldn't need the association 
from the type of microorganisms because that's what legumes usually do is they create associations with the nitrogen fixing bacteria. Absolutely. Yeah. As like a kind of like as like their kind of keystone thing. Right. And I, I can only imagine that. I mean, I can't only imagine this, but the biggest thing is I just feel like it must be that there's some sort of like you're saying some sort of like uh, sort of physiological cost. Of course, we, we've talked about before how these symbi- these beneficial symbioses, these mutualisms can be very costly, but the reward is usually good, is like worth it. But if it, for some reason that symbiosis, that mutualism starts to not be super helpful, or maybe those microbes even start to develop parasitic associations instead, um, it could be that plants that are much more um, it could take a different, you know, a different path. Yeah, it could, they could lose those genes that are important for those associations um, and then lose those associations, or at least the ones that are very specific, you know, maybe more general microbial interactions, but like for the diazotrophs, um, for the nitrogen fixers, you know, that could be what happened. It's just so, so it's such a cool thing. And uh, nobody knows the answer to this yet. So I'm very excited to see. Um, if this becomes sort of more picked up by the general sort of botanical world. Um, and I talk about it in my cannabis uh, pest host ecology and uh, cannabis yeah. evolution videos. I'm curious if other people maybe will, um, will unravel that. Well, you know, what's really interesting too, is because we know about horizontal gene transfer and how, you know, different microbes can actually create indoles, which are, different signaling stop and start points within, you know, these uh, genetic codes. And it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder how efficiently and how rapidly a type of transfer could effectively be bred into another organism of a different species and, you know, how that would affect something on on that type of scale, because that's another, I think uh, another really interesting aspect to, um, to that, the, the puzzle. Well, you, you know, that's, a, that is great. Like we know that, um, we know that for example, with, with microbes, like, so like with bacteria, um, and other microbes, but just for, for this moment for bacteria, um, sometimes horizontal gene transfer, uh, can be very rapid. Um, it's only a matter of like just sharing the biofilm with other bacteria. If these are bacteria that are, that can coexist in this, in this case. Um, and then that can have, you know, that, that's just immediate, right. That just happens and then they replicate, um, but with regards to like evolution and with regards to like getting stuff into the germline and passing through, there's a ton of different ways that it happens, but it happens a ton with insects and mites. It happens with plants. It happens with um, viruses like we've talked about before. Um, you know, so I, I feel like it's one of those things that shouldn't really be discounted. Um, and it's like, it's like when people talk about like evolution and microevolution or, or whatever, like these um, pivotal changes can happen in, the, in what is essentially the blink of an eye, even from yeah. a human perspective, let alone yeah. the, the and I think that's one. and I think a lot of people don't understand how fast these these uh, mechanics operate. I mean, I like to equate it to 
when you see vinegar and baking soda, you know, although we're able to see these with our eyes, understanding a lot of the mechanics of just, you know, how nutrients and stuff, but all that other stuff I've seen, you know, scanning electron microscope images of uh, bacteria traveling on fungal networks. And it's when you're looking at these things in real time, it's like watching race cars speed up on a track. You know? There was this really great um, 3D visualization of a bacteria, uh, the flagellum of a bacterium, and um, kind of how it's like this when you, <laughs> it's this sort of biomechanical masterpiece of engineering really to think about it like we talk about like nanobots and nanomachine sun name that reference um and you know like we nature already has those <laughs> so yeah. we can learn quite a bit from those um some of those processes that is a good point but i want to give spartan grown a opportunity to give any final thoughts he might have and uh shout out where we can find him uh no just uh yeah you can find me right here <laughs> right here on the chief home grow you can find me on the michigan bros grow show or the gml show all on youtube or uh you can if you have instagram you can find me spartan grow on instagram or shoot me an email spartan grow at gmail.com always great to have you spartan you made my job easy <laughs> Thanks, got man. all of the links in there uh, gml show is on friday and michigan bros grow show is in 15 minutes from right now so spartan can refill his tray get some water and let the dogs out have a great night spartan great seeing you as always see you guys thanks always great having spartan on you can also find him at mitten canico we pulled that up i screen shared a little bit of their facility today and you can see they're absolutely killing it over there not only just visually the numbers stand behind it they have stuff testing over 40 percent total cannabinoids uh, like that donnie burger and uh, the han solo burger stuff got up in those really high 30s and that's not everything but it does say something when the plants look beautiful and the tests are testing high so uh, congratulations to them over there with their success and i hope they continue to keep on crushing it in the Michigan market for the medical and rec people out there that get to enjoy that. I sure hope to try some someday when I go and visit, just like I hope to try some of the Black Label Organics as well as uh, Majestic Craft Cannabis when I go to Oklahoma uh, sometime, Brandon. Uh, it's definitely I got really you. awesome, man. I know Oklahoma's never been a place before that I thought I would. that's on my travel destinations map, but now I've got a few friends there. Uh, Aaron the Grower is making his transition. So I'll have more reason yeah. than ever to go and uh, check out Oklahoma. I, uh, I'm like pretty uh, taken aback by uh, how successful um, like Black Label is becoming. It's pretty awesome because I didn't expect my, uh, my, you know, my business partners have been in sales their whole life. They've started companies and they've, you know, um, I didn't like realize like how badass of a sales guy he is. So, um, it's, it's pretty legit. I'm like really, really stoked. We're going to be able to expand. Uh, we decided to do full term. We're going to have a couple thousand outdoor full terms. We're running, uh, we should have full duplex, uh, all his auto flower seeds. He sent 3,200 fem seeds to us, Mandalorian genetics on IG full duplex. He's been a member on here. You guys already know him. We're going to do early season autos and then uh, we'll do our full terms and then we'll do some late season photos as well. 
So it's going to get really interesting. I think we're going to end up building out uh, probably a 10,000 square foot uh, indoor facility for uh, drying. And then we'll have a small space for, um, you know, processing. How much time until the little um, breeding chamber, the um, grow pod that you've got going on in the shipping container? Check this out. It would have all been set up. My, I had an AC guy. That was the last piece of it. Um, and fucking Pioneer sent me a bad board on the AC unit. So tomorrow or Tuesday, I should have a new AC unit. It'll get wired up and it'll everything will be go back in there. I actually had to pull all my plants outside and I, they're, they're beat to shit right now. I mean, I cloned the shit out of all of them and all my roots are popping on everything. So I have, you know, between four, five and 14 of every single variety, like 60 different black lime reserves, all my gas times, Mac V2, like everything that I have, I have clones. Um, but I had to take everything and put it outside because I had no air conditioning and uh, it was hot and windy and they got sunburned. They'll be fine. They'll come right back, but uh, it'll be done this week. Really good stuff, man. Uh, it's a bummer when you get some bad equipment, but it's just a minor setback on the continued path to success. And I know you're going to do yeah, some crazy shit because like, I can only imagine what I would do if I had that kind of space and you're a very similarly motivated person. So I can only imagine the crosses that you've got. Uh, Dude, it's going to be insane coming out of there. You guys want to know what's what I'm doing, what I'm going to yeah. do. All right. So I have, I have a GMO cut for every, for, for the best male out of every phenotype that I have lined up. So I'm going to hit the, I'm going to hit uh, the GMO with a black lime reserve male with a Lima Rilla times Mac V2 with a gas times Mac V2 with a pancakes with a uh, high divorce rate, which is wedding cake BX four times dust funk and a peanut butter breath times dust funk. So those all get hit into GMO. And then um, I'll also do some projects working uh, throughout the year with uh, black lime reserve. I'm going to do Limerilla 2.0, uh, Limerilla, uh, uh, black lime reserve times Gorilla Glue again. Um, I'm going to do black lime reserve F2s. I'm going to do the gas Mac V2 F2s. I'm going to F2 all the stuff before I release any of that. There's a bunch of stuff coming. It's going to be With the Lime Marilla V2, like the 2.0, are you looking for a better version? Are you trying to get as close to recreating the sort of original uh, unique phenos that you maybe have found in the first cross? I want a reg version because the cross was a S1 hybrid. I remember that. That's how you used to breed everything back then, but you started using males, right, more recently in the past few years? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't um, – all the breeding that I did was for myself. I would take things that I either was like, oh, I love this, and I would stress hermit, or I would just let it go like way beyond – I'll just keep letting it go and keep feeding it, feeding it way, way past. I mean, sometimes you – I mean, I'd have like a purple kush that's you know, would normally get harvested eight – eight weeks or something like that. And I push it into like 12 until it finally threw a nanner. And I'd like, Oh, I got a fucking nanner. I got one nanner. I'd fucking get that shit on a Q-tip and be like, Oh, here's my trainwreck blueberry. You know, I get fucking, you know, 10 or 11 seeds. And that's what I had to work with, but it wasn't for anybody else. It was just 
for for you know for what I was doing. So, but I mean, Lamarilla and I think Death Breath came from that style of cross, right? Yeah, the Death Breath is in, is fucking insane, dude. And both, that, I think both of those are like, dude, in the top that, ten for me. Dude, okay, check this out. The Death Breath, I crossed into the Lime One BX, and it's it's fucking fantastic, bro. Uh, I am going to that. Okay. So it's really interesting. Cause you know, I'm going to keep working the Lime Marilla. I'll do a bunch of crosses. I have crosses of that death breath, but I like that shit so much that I do not, I don't give it out. I'm not giving out seeds. I'm not fucking releasing shit. The shit is in fucking sane. Like it, the, the terpene profile, is executed on the flavor to it, it matches it perfect. Like there is no weed that I know of that tastes this fucking good. I love it. The death press. That's the one that you gave out for the cowboy cup maybe. Or no, was that, that was oh, okay. sour cheese berry. That was there a good go. one too. No death breath. Nobody has it. It's good stuff. It's sometimes stuff you got to keep close to your chest, I think. And uh, other stuff, it's nice to let it go free and wide like uh, Josie, like we were talking about earlier. He let that GG4 out, but he didn't let out the uh, like a lot of the stuff, you know, I think Glucci and uh, I think there's GG1 or three that they didn't ever release. So um, there's definitely some stuff that doesn't make it to the public. And for one reason or another, they choose to hold on to it. So um the death breath is one that I think the people that have gotten to try it have been very uh, lucky to enjoy. So I'm glad that you're able to hold on to that and continue to cultivate it at a few different spots. Have you noticed any major differences from indoor versus the black label organics death breath? Yeah, dude, mixed light is the fucking shit. I will never, I will never um, go back to straight indoor. Like, Unless it just for my R and D project, as far as my personal stuff, if I ever have my own farm or if I do anything else, if I'm going forward and talking to somebody about setting up a farm and I'm doing consultant, doing a consulting gig, I'm telling people, dude, you want to do mixed light because you can get a badass house that you can control just like an indoor, but your cost of production is going to be exponentially lower. All that dude, like it doesn't cost us very much per month to run our uh, our farm, you know, which is the which is huge. You well, know? and your pound per light is way higher because you're spacing them out, and it's not just the light; it's the light plus the sun. And that's why the greenhouse project I'm going into is mixed light light depth yeah. greenhouse. I think that's the future of cannabis cultivation for craft. Yeah. At scale, I think they'll go outside, like you know. So but. we we have a each greenhouse. Our beds alone are 1,300 and I think 28 square feet, but we're about a foot off every greenhouse with how big everything is. They kind of crowd our walkways and we have to, you know, duck under and stuff. But so we're looking more at around 1,500 square feet of canopy each house. And we're using, you know, 3,600 and I think 363 36,300 watts that's 33 double-ended hps's turned up to 110% 1100 uh to 11 
1100 watts. Pretty impressive. I mean, the plants that I see in that greenhouse, the American one always talks about, they're the healthiest plants I've ever seen. Like that thick New York accent, I love it. But he's been uh, <laughs> hyping up your grows, man. He, uh, the American one is definitely blown away by the stuff that you're putting out there. And as am I, I've definitely not seen too many people with organics, especially kill it on the commercial scale like you've been able to. So I think there's a reason that a lot of people are following your uh, recipes and trying to use your methods to have similar success themselves. Yeah, I hope everybody can keep having success doing their home grows. It, home grows are difficult, man. You know, you can't always build out like something that's going to be all perfect and stuff. And it takes a lot of time and effort. So I give a lot of props to the home grower. You know, it, it's one of those things that it really takes a lot of time and effort and you put your heart and soul into it. And that's why it really makes it so much better. Yeah, I definitely think there's no more passionate <laughs> cultivators out there than people home growing their own cannabis. I mean, to do it indoors under lighting, there's in gardening, it's fairly rare. I mean, it's happening more often now, especially with modern LEDs. I even yeah. heard a commercial like advocating, hey, grow your own, you know, vegetables under mm -hmm. LED. And it's like a way to help the environment because then there's no transport, travel, or anything like that. To Not only you know, that, but real like independence comes from self-sustainability right because we always talk about like the reason why the wealthiest people are in power is because we gave them the wealth we use our dollar so that we work for and it gets to their pocket so if we can go and grow our own food and produce things on our own start your own company you know do that kind of stuff that really helps everybody as a whole instead of you know and if you have to help the man, I recommend Home Depot because they fucking look out for special needs kids and do a lot. I work with uh, special needs kids. And I think it's cool. Like if you have to go to a big box store and get yourself some Canadian Spagnum Pete, um, they're not a terrible company in my opinion. Um, yeah. Well, there's also, you know, one of the things that I get a lot is, oh, well, you're using Pete and it's not sustainable. You should be using cocoa. And it's like there's a federation of peat loss and what they do is they regulate how these bogs are harvested so they'll harvest so much per year well not only that but what they do is they're able to do a type of remediation practice where they'll take a certain amount of um of peat and then they'll take fresh moss that's growing from another and they'll do a transplant layer to where it grows within a matter of years and then the, they're never harvested off those regions again and they move on so what they're doing is there's it's i mean when you think of the grand scheme of things when we're re when we're using resources unless we can you know have something enclosed in our own sustainable ecosystem none of it's really you know, fully sustainable, like people like want to preach and stuff. And it's because we have even cocoa, like you're saying that used to be sustainable because it was a waste product and they had excess. Now it's an industry that requires them growing it for the specific purpose of making it for media material. They've overcome the surplus and now yeah. it's being produced. So, so I think that both are actually fine. It's just that most cocoa does come from India. Uh, in a lot of the cases and there's certain sources that are better than others that are like yeah. pre washed they're washed and sometimes they have a lot of uh, salt in them sometimes i mean i know spartan had some problems with some heavy cocoa. metals from uh, yeah, canna you know. cocoa they had heavy metal cadmium failure 
that was the only thing that they changed, and then they started passing their heavy metal testing in Michigan. But that being said, we only have one minute left. We ran it right up to the bell this week, so I want to give uh, Matthew Gates a chance to give his final sign-outs, and then we'll go Brandon and myself. Yeah, thanks, Jack, for the opportunity. I thought we got through a number of really cool topics. I feel like I always say some rendition of that, but it's so true. And I guess the second most common thing I say is that the chat was really cool, and I liked interacting with the various questions there. I liked seeing Chad Westport in there, and I also liked getting to talk to Seven. I hope I get to talk with him more, actually. Um, what a cool community we have here. Um, if you want to find out more about integrated pest management, I have done two things recently that is designed to help more people, as many more people as I can, that I can't really interact with on social media because it's not the best medium for helping people out. The first one is my Patreon. I have revamped my Patreon and I've added Discord and I'll be doing live streams monthly and possibly more often where I talk about IPM issues and depending on um, whether somebody is contributing $1 a month or $10 a month or another amount a month, um, I will be creating content for those people, I'll be answering those people's questions. And uh, Discord is honestly just a better way of doing that. So if you're interested in supporting the free content on my YouTube channel, Xenthanol, the same one I'm commenting in, uh, take a look at my Patreon, see if it's right for you. I don't want anyone going broke or spending money they don't have. Uh, that's why I included a $1 a month sort of um, subscription because it's really important to me to help as many people as possible. But I can't even answer all the questions I get daily. So, I yeah, feel same. It's yeah, understandable when you get over ten thousand followers. I mean, think about if one percent of those people are hitting you up a day, you've got hundreds. So it is ridiculous to expect you to get back to everybody, especially for free, because this is your job in the, your regular life, and you've helped many people out for free for years and years and years. So. Um, I'm actually going to jump on that $1 at least uh, <laughs> Patreon member. And because uh, I definitely can spare that per month to be part of such an awesome group. And uh, really thank you for coming this week. The two hours that you give us each week is basically free consulting for the whole community. And uh, we all really benefit greatly from it. So thank you again, Matthew, for coming. Uh, check out Zenthanol.com and uh, all of the things that you can see right now on his uh, YouTube. It's uh, Sync Angel on Instagram and Zenthanol on YouTube. But Thank you again. And next up, we have Brandon Rust. Alrighty. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Again, I wouldn't be here without all you guys and being able to interact all the time. So I appreciate it. And if anybody, you know, is interested in what I'm doing, if you don't already follow along, you can see me at uh, rust.brandon on IG. You can find links to my farm, to Bokashi Earthworks, all that good stuff. Thanks again for coming, Brandon. And uh, lastly, I am at Jack Greenstock on Cannabuzz as well as Instagram. You can find me at Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter and email me jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. Once again, the book is slightly delayed. That first copy I got, uh, the dimensions were off. The quality wasn't where I wanted it to be. So I'm getting a second proof copy before I print the 250. Thank you to everybody for your support who's already pre-ordered and is waiting. Uh, it's going to come, I promise you, all 150 of the first edition got them. The second edition will as well. There's just slight delays being independent as an author. Uh, there's some challenges like uh, dealing with the printing. If it's not to the quality, I can't just make it happen, snap my fingers overnight. I'm sort of waiting on them to get the quality and uh, print up to where I need to be. But with that said, thank you everybody for your patience and understanding. Uh, everybody's been super cool about it and just asking where it is or if, if it's been shipped yet. It hasn't, unfortunately, but uh, I really appreciate everybody. I will get those out as soon as I possibly can and they're all gonna be signed. So uh, thank you again, everybody. 
And uh, next week might might have Max Scrimmin Ruby. He's been asking for a while uh, to get on the podcast. And I once had a rule that you know you had to come onto your individual episode first before you could come onto the panel. But we've broken that rule enough times now that I feel comfortable to let him on. He's got a show, Talking Buds. Uh, a few of the members of the panel have been on as well. So check out Max Scrimmin Ruby. We might have him on, if not next week, uh, sometime in the future. But this is Jack Greensock signing out. Peace and love, y'all. Go check out Michigan Bros Grow Show or uh, Candy Queen. Have your, everybody have a great week. See y'all next Sunday.